MNK Takwaye now presents Shadow and Bone, Part 1, from the Shadow and Bone Trilogy by Lee Bardugo. MNK Talk YA. This is Marissa Snyder. And I'm Kitty Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. I looked up funny ways to say hello, but then I lost my list before we started, so I just stuck with the good old-fashioned welcome back. Oh, was one of the ways how to say hello in Russia? Russian? You know, I skipped all the like <laughs> other languages because I can't pronounce anything, and I went to things like, what's up, home slice? <laughs> <laughs> And no one has said that to me in a very long time, if ever. <laughs> well, what's up, Home Slice? Hey, I, how you doing? I also had a listener tell me t- today that she accidentally spoiled part of it for herself because she listened before she was at the halfway point. So I thought when we were reading halfway through a book, we should, at the beginning, just remind people how far we read. That's a very good idea. So we're reading... Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo, which is the first in the trilogy, and we read up to chapter 15. What if I flipped out and was like, no, I only read up to chapter 10? <laughs> I'd be like, I'm probably going to ruin things for you then. <laughs> Let's talk next time. <laughs> oh, I really wanted to read more because I'm really obsessed with this book, Katie. It was really hard for me to stop reading too, and usually, I think I've told you I like time it, so I finished reading last night but still pretty early because I wanted to have time to do research and I just wanted to keep reading so I know I didn't okay where do we even begin okay so let's talk about the world first okay so we just came from future and Mars and now we're in this also kind of seems a little bit old-fashioned like you Mm -hmm. you know well yeah it reminded me of the Young Elites a little bit because that was like a fictional setting, but it was based on Renaissance Italy. Mm-hmm. And this one is kind of the same deal where it's a fictional world, but it's based on Imperial Russia. Yeah, which I don't know as much about as I feel like I knew about Renaissance Italy going into it. So I think I read something in one of her interviews where I was like, oh yeah, but I think it took me a while when I was reading myself to make those connections personally. Yeah, well, I was really excited about it because so many YA books or um, fantasy books are set kind of in medieval Europe, and so I thought it was a really great um, kind of switch up. Mm-hmm. And I also really love Imperial Russia, actually. It was always, like, my favorite um, unit that we did in school. I feel like I literally don't... E- I feel like what I know about Imperial Russia is actually just uh, the Fox Anastasia movie. Oh, the animated one? Yeah. Which I just... (laughs) I mean, I love that movie too. (laughs) I just want to say, um, I can walk exactly like Anastasia walks in that one song where she's like still an orphan. I have the same walk as her. She does this funny walk and that's my walk. (laughs) (laughs) Were you and your sisters the type of girls who would like, um, put on plays that were based off of Disney movies and sing all the songs? Because my cousins and I did that with just about every single Disney movie. We usually just wrote our own and wrote our own songs, and neither one of us can sing or um, write music, so they were never oh. especially good. I mean, th- 
that's pretty amazing that you wrote your own songs because we just ripped off every Disney movie. Well, I think sometimes we would take the song and like change the words, which I actually, <laughs> I did that in my high school, like graduation too. I was in this IB program, International Baccalaureate program. And at our like graduation, just for that program, my friend and I like rewrote the words to Mulan's I'll make a man out of you to like, I'll make an IB kid out of you. <laughs> And, like, talked about all the, like, projects we had done. Like, it was so nerdy, and we had so much fun. That's amazing. And, like... And also, that is the best Disney song ever. <laughs> and for chemistry, I did a We Love 03 when I was... When we were studying ozone instead of Under the Sea. <laughs> oh, my God. I love how big of a nerd you are. Oh, I'm a huge nerd. I love nerd. it. Yeah. That's amazing. But can you please find these songs and find the words to them that you wrote so we can relive it? Maybe one of these days. That's your, home, I... that's your research for next week. Okay. Forget Imperial Russia. I just want to hear your songs that you made up. My sister for her talent show in high school, though, recited 100 Digits of pie. So I'm not even the nerdiest one in my family. Oh my gosh. I wonder what the most memorized digits of pie are. I just Like what like, the world record is. I kind of feel like after 3.14, how helpful is it to really know another... You know, it's not. It's just like showing off, essentially. <laughs> or you could be using that power to do other things because I can't remember anyone's name. If I could use all that memory to do other things, I don't know. I don't know. Well, speaking of powers, do we want to talk about the um, the Grisha powers? Yes, we should. Okay, they're very. I like how there is a hierarchy of power mm-hmm. of or like um you know of of Grisha and. I also read an interview by Leah Bardugo, and she said that she wanted the magic to have very defined um, constraints, mm-hmm. so that there wasn't there were certain rules about the magic that you had to follow. Mm-hmm. And I like that the Grisha can't create matter; they can only like manipulate what's around them. You know, so like the squallers can't create wind; they can just move the wind that's already there. Yeah. It's also, it's just, it has like some science aspect to it. It just feels like they're a little bit ahead of their time with sciencey stuff and that maybe they don't even understand fully why they, but like, doesn't it just feel like some advanced science sort of? Yeah. Cause they call themselves, they, they, they say they study the small science and they call magic the small science. Yeah. But it feels like way cooler science i want to take oh, i want yeah. to take small science in high school next time around <laughs> i would have majored in that right there i also if i could i didn't really understand because it's sort of half the time i felt like people got to choose like what their specialty was yeah i had that question too but then it also felt like they didn't get to choose and it was just a natural thing so i was kind of confused by that i was too because there's a part a part where she's talking to fedor and ivan who are um corporalki mm-hmm. And that's the top layer, the order of the living and the dead. And you can either be a heart render or a healer. And she asked them, why didn't you choose to be healers instead of heart renders? So it does sound like you are born with a Grisha power, but then maybe you can choose where you apply it. Yeah, maybe it's like a specialty. Like maybe you're either a corporal key or an ethereal key or whatever. But within those, you can be... You can specialize, maybe? Oh, maybe. So you're either born, like, a corporalki, an ethereaki, or a materialki, and then you can choose, like, what you major in. But then even with that, you think, even if, like, a heart render was more advanced at killing people, you think they'd have some ability to heal, right? Like, I, I didn't understand how 
it was like completely separate necessarily if they got to choose anything or maybe they just it just sounded like they got to choose and they really didn't maybe she has no idea how the grisha work and she's just asking questions <laughs> i mean that's true <laughs> well half to 80 percent of what she knows about them is based on like peasant legend so yeah and myths because there's also it seems like a lot of prejudice around the grisha like they said that in some areas they're called witches and they're burned uh, or they're sold as slaves. I watched this one interview with her that was like, what's your inspiration for the story? Ooh. Um, and you know how we were talking about with Pierce Brown, it was like when he was climbing this mountain. So she was also in the mountains with oh. some of her friends. And uh, I guess like, I think everyone else maybe went out and she was like staying on the couch reading and she fell asleep. And when she woke up, it was so dark. And she said she'd only ever been in the city before, so, like, country dark is, like, way more dark than... You know, in the city, it never really gets fully dark. Yeah. So she, like, couldn't see her hand in front of her face, and she didn't really know the house very well, so she was, like, trying to find a light switch, and then she heard a noise, ah. and it, like, freaked her out, and she eventually realized that it was herself breathing. Like she Oh, my gosh, was that quiet? Yeah, but then when she went to sleep, she was thinking about how, you know, the fear of dark is, like, a real... Thing that people have no matter where they are in their life like to some extent like that kind of never goes away and then she started thinking what if darkness was like an actual place instead of just like a metaphor and oh and is that you know, how, she how do you make with... it something literal and that's where she came up with the shadow fold yeah oh that's so interesting and with that she was like you know like what kind of who how could that be created and what kind of person would that be and I think that's where the darkling kind of came from those thoughts and all that kind of stuff so I just thought that was kind of a cool story I really like that there's some scary, kind of creepy elements to the story. Because the Shadowfold was really scary. And the yeah. Volcra that live inside there, that yeah. was... And, and also, I don't know if you noticed this, but I love the maps at the beginning of these books. And the yeah. maps for this one were so cool because they had... Like the slice that was the the shadow fold, and they had these really cool monsters incorporated into it, and I just I loved the illustrations so much. It reminded me of um, Did you ever listen to those those books uh, that were called like scary stories to tell in the dark? No, of course I didn't. I wasn't. Oh. You. <laughs> <laughs> I loved those stories growing up. I, they were by Alvin Schwartz, um, and they had the coolest illustrations. And I remember just being completely mesmerized by them because they were the scariest illustrations ever. There was one of like this bride trapped in a trunk and I would always cover it until with my hands until I could like work up the courage to look at it. <laughs> but that's what it reminded me of. These like really cool, like ghoulish monster illustrations. And I like wanted to print that map out and put it on my wall. <laughs> well, so the funny thing is, so I bought the box set when we decided to do this series and it came with a map. So like a big... Oh. big map that I had to like unfold but I feel like oh. it didn't have monsters on it and I didn't really pay attention what? to the one on the front because I just have it lying on my like <laughs> in my living room on my um coffee table so that when I'm reading I can like spy on it even though they haven't really moved that much yet but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now I, I just looked in the front and you're right that's a really cool map I love it but I also like that um that inspiration is actually really cool I didn't look up too much about um Lee Bardugo but I uh, do follow her on Instagram now. <laughs> nice. One of the other kind of interesting things that I read in one of her interviews, um, she was talking about kind of different elements of world building and how some things kind of came into the book later in the process. And she said when she originally wrote the book, uh, the two main kids, Alina and Mal, mm -hmm. no, Mal, Mal. Um, 
were not orphans. Um, oh. She thought it was like an overdone kind of fantasy stereotype and all of this stuff. But when she was doing her research, she was reading about how all these men who came back from the Napoleonic Wars, who um, had been fighting like kind of peasants and, you know, the leaders who worked on the estates and all these people like next to each other. And they were bonding out and about and seeing each other die and like just, you know, kind of building across the, you know, stratification of the society. Mm-hmm. And there was a story about a noble who was given a wooden icon by his serf, and it stopped a bullet and saved his life. So when he came home, he built hospitals and orphanages for the serfs, and that this was kind of her inspiration for these two kids who came out of this brutal peasant existence, but had like a little bit of a foot up by being able to read and be able to write and have someone kind of looking out for them. So. And had this like real bonding experience uh, serving in the army. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So I thought that was kind of an interesting piece yeah. of stuff. What do you think about them, their friendship? Alina, Alina and Mal? And Mal. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, I think that it's, it's kind of like one of those situations where you see this in YA books a lot where they, you, it's clear from the reader that they like each other, mm-hmm. but it's either they, they think that the other one is not interested in them or that they're only friends and they're almost looking for ways to convince themselves that the other one doesn't like them because it's easier than being rejected, you know? Yeah. So I think it's a little bit frustrating because, you know, it's clear to us that Mal really likes her and cares about her a lot. And at least it was to me. But I don't know about you, but I think he definitely does. But I'm not convinced he likes her, like likes her, likes her versus like they really are each other's only friends slash siblings slash whatever in the world yeah like it's almost like um like the bond that they have like she definitely has a like romantic crush on him and i'm not a hundred percent convinced he feels the same romantic connection to her but he definitely cares about her yeah that's true i guess but yeah i feel like it, right now they are they felt like they were the only ones that each other had and they had this very similar experience growing up in the orphanage that kind of united them um who's keeping them apart then who's not getting the letters delivered or no poor postal system because I feel like there's a lot of people I'm not sure about right now like the Darkling I still don't feel like I know him well enough to know if he's being a good guy or a bad guy um both of her teachers but especially the old lady what's her name again Bagra Bagra like I don't know if she has her best intentions at heart I can't tell if she's like wise and actually is like the one we should be listening to or if she's like up to no good and then that creepy like (laughs) religious advisor dude oh the apparat yeah i don't know i feel like one of them at least if not multiple of them are bad news but i kind of feel like because we're supposed to think it's the priest guy and not the darkling that that's wrong oh like it's a misdirect yeah i don't i don't know but i'm really kind of obsessed with the darkling right now yeah (laughs) i think he's really sexy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and guess what? I'm really excited because there's finally a young adult character who's old enough for me to have a crush on. That's true. 120 is age appropriate. Or at least at least not too young. Maybe not age I mean, appropriate. I'm 107, <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> but it really made me happy because like for all the other um, books we've read, the characters are so young and it's always like... Uh, I just felt so old when I went to Marie Lou's book signing and there were so many teens there who were like, oh my god, Enzo is so hot and I love Raphael. What about when we went to the Divergent movie premiere at midnight oh and we were god. the only people over the age of 12? 
Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't, I am too old to have a crush on any of these characters. I don't, I don't want to do anything with them except like give them a blanket and take them to therapy. But kind <laughs> of, so- kind of to your point, it kind of freaks me out on the other side because she's not an adult. So he's like super into her and she's really young. That's true. I didn't think and about like, it that same way. Same with like, I don't know, like any of these shows where like vampires have been around for like hundreds of years and they're like <laughs> into like a 17 year old girl and I'm like. Even though you look 17, you're actually, like, 400 years old. Isn't that weird? (laughs) See, I feel like at that point it just doesn't matter. Because if you're immortal, then age cannot come in. I mean, Okay, but can we agree? I mean, maybe I don't know anything about anything. But I still feel like once I hit a certain age, I could connect with, like, adults of a variety of ages way differently than I... Like, I feel like that, like... 17 to 22, right? You know what I mean? Like, like you're not quite ready to... Yeah, like, you're just so self-obsessed and don't know anything about the world. I don't know. Especially, too, like, with the Darkling. Like, he is in such a position of power. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I guess the assumption is so is Alina. She's also a summoner, a really powerful summoner. So I guess maybe in that regard, their powers could be seen as equal. Well, she has a really unique power, but it sounds like she's not actually that powerful. It's a unique gift, but not one that she's... It's necessarily very strong, or else they wouldn't be looking for this stag thing, right? The amplifier? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh, I, I still really like the Darkling. <laughs> I know. I mean, I really like him, too. And maybe that's why I, like, need him to be darker. And maybe it'll just end up being, like, some kind of love triangle, and that's why we're like, oh. Oh, I know. Well, that's what I was worried about when Ma, when Ma came back. And then it was, like, mm-hmm. right when she was hooking up with the Darkling, and it was just, like... Oh gosh, I, I know. I thought there was going to be an awkward moment where he saw her with him or something. Well, I like hope that, it doesn't but... turn into that because I don't want a love triangle. Uh, you know? No, I don't really want one either. Which is why I think in my mind I'm like, there's more to the Darkling, and he actually like it's a misdirect, and we actually shouldn't trust him. Oh, I hope not. But right now he's trying to destroy the the Shadowfold, so that's a good thing. Yeah, but why is he trying to destroy it? Because his like great great grandfather put it there. But why is he even like? I don't know, because the king, I don't really get the king, so I feel like the Darkling is kind of a servant, but kind of in charge. Yeah. And I feel like there's some weird power struggle going mm-hmm. on, and I could, and I wonder, even if he really wants to destroy the, uh, or the shadow, what's it called? The Shadowfold. I kind of wonder what, if he really wants to do that just for, like, the good of the country, or if he wants to do that to, like, be the only leader, or if you, you know, like, to, like, rally people behind him, or That's a good know. question. We don't really know his motivations, except for the fact that it's, the Shadowfold is really cutting off their country and is making them very isolated. Yeah. And maybe the king is just boring. I'm also really curious about the two princes, though, because they made, like, brief mention of them, and I kind of want them Did to... Did we meet them? No. No, they weren't there, but they just, like, talked about how, you know, one of them really likes horses or something, and the <laughs> other one, like, is never at court. But I just, I'm kind of curious if they become... If that was just, like, a... Like, why even mention them if they're not... I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see where they come back. I sort of hope the younger brother, like, they meet in battle or something down the road, and we don't know he's the prince, and then we find out he is. Oh. Um, I like that there's the younger prince who there's a question about his legitimacy. Yeah, that's true. That is kind of an interesting twist to hint at. So, I'm, I mean, maybe we'll see more of them and see how they come into play. Because you're right, there is this, like, weird dual dual power thing with the king on one side and he he rules the first army and then the darkling rules the second army which is the grisha army 
And I wonder if there'll be more of a conflict because it, it's definitely hinted at. Yeah, and it sounds like the rest of the world, like outside of their country, is pretty anti-Grisha. So I'm kind of curious too, even if they all come together, are they going to like, is there going to be another enemy? I don't know. I'm just kind of curious how this stuff played out. So wait, what is the, I keep forgetting his name. What's the priest dude's name? Oh, the um, Apparat? Yeah. Okay, so the Apparat, is he, I don't see who he's influencing. Like, does the king listen to oh, him? Oh, the king. Does, so, yeah. But we haven't even seen him have it. Like, we haven't seen any effect of that. You know what I mean? No, we haven't. We've just seen that he's like... All we know is that he's kind of creepy and that he doesn't make any noise <laughs> down the hallway. <laughs> okay, so you know who he reminded me of? Who? Um, Going into the research section, abruptly, he reminds me of Rasputin. Okay. So... so- that's I agree, what, actually. Okay. So that's what I researched a little bit this week because it does take place, take place in what seems like Tsarist Russia, and um, Rasputin was this like self-proclaimed holy man slash mystic who served Tsar Nicholas II. All I know is him in the Anastasia movie where he could... <laughs> And he sings a really great song. (laughs) Um, I don't think he did that. But what he did do was he was the healer to Nicholas's son, Alexei, who Mm -hmm. had hemophilia. And he was also Nicholas's only heir. So it was really important that this boy be treated. And he, he had really a lot of influence over the czar. And there were a lot of people who resented that. And so basically, I didn't really research anything about his life. I just researched how he was killed because I remember in high school learning about this and just being totally fascinated by his assassination. Well, that's funny because I researched how the czar and his family were killed. So this feeds right in. So you go first. (laughs) We both researched the death of of royal families. And okay. Mm. So Rasputin was assassinated by... A group of conservative noblemen who were upset over the influence he held over the czar and the first attempt actually was in 1914 there was a peasant woman who stabbed him in the stomach uh and he actually survived that which is kind of crazy but wait the, wait who was this woman or just, we don't a, know? just a peasant woman okay <laughs> that sounds that sounded so snobby just some peasant woman <laughs> just let her eat cake it's fine <laughs> Couldn't even stab someone, right? Um, the second time he was murdered was in... Uh, the second time that he was attempted assassination was in December of 1916. And there's a lot of mystery and rumors surrounding his death. And no one is really quite certain what happened. But um, I found a really reliable source um, called Wikipedia. <laughs> I've heard of that. <laughs> and uh, what I found was... And there were a group of men, and the way they tried to kill him was they gave him tea and cakes, which were laced with enough cyanide to kill five men. And they kind of lured him down <clears throat> uh, to where they were serving this these tea and cakes, and he started eating them, and he was not affected at all by the poison. And so then they started panicking because, like, nothing was happening. So they gave him wine, which was also poisoned. And he drank three glasses of wine, but was also still unaffected. The only thing he said was that he was, like, salivating a lot. That was the only um, effect. So then they 
shot him in the chest. They like opened fire on him. And Wait, so did they know why he wasn't affected by the poison? Like, no. did he? Okay. They had no idea and they were kind of baffled by it. Okay. And also, I mean, he was like a mystic and a prophet and a self-proclaimed holy man. So I think there was some superstition mm-hmm. around him in general um, and fear. So they, they ended up shooting him and they, um, they left him there. And then they went back to his house dressed like him to make it seem that he went like he went home. So they were trying to cover up their tracks. Yeah, like the, an alibi or whatever. Yeah, exactly. He left us. Yeah. They were like, oh, he went home. He was fine. But then they um, got a little nervous, so they went back to where they killed him to make sure that he was dead. And he leapt up and attacked them and chased them outside. And they ended up beating him really badly, and he still wouldn't die. And eventually they shot him again and threw him in the river. And um, So did the guns just, like, suck? Or I want to be on that guy's diet or something. <laughs> Do you think he was paleo? <laughs> no I think he ate lots of candy and that's the secret to life we know it's your secret to avoiding hangovers so. <laughs> um okay so finally the czar they, they found his body and the czar buried him and then a couple a group of people later uncovered his remains and took them to the woods to burn them and this is nutso so as they were burning him he suddenly sat up in the fire and what? everyone lost their minds. And the, wait, <laughs> how? How? Wait, okay. so he was not actually alive. He just sat up because I didn't know this, but I guess if you cremate someone, you need to um, cut uh, the tendons in the body because if you don't, <laughs> the tendons <laughs> will shrink. And so when they burned him, his the tendons in his leg shrunk, oh, and it forced him goodness. to sit up and bend it up at the waist. And everyone was just like, oh my god, he's back to life again. (laughs) (laughs) That is actually awesome. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But I I thought they like burned people more often back then. They didn't know that. I think they did, but I think it was just really haphazardly done. And they didn't intend to cremate him. They buried him. And these group of people just like dug him up and decided to set him on fire in the woods, which is kind of horrific. But I don't really know why, but... (laughs) So that's how... <laughs> just to be sure he's gone. Yeah, exactly. And then he sits just up Just to give him one last chance to freak everyone out. <laughs> I mean, what a way to go. That is funny. Okay, so actually the execution of the Tsar and his family also was a little bit uh, not easygoing. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me. So, um, I, I don't even remember the whole story. But basically, like, the Bolsheviks like came to power and the Tsar was in charge and they, like, took him captive originally. So he was, like, a... Him and his family were, like, political prisoners or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so while they are like, staying in this house, they were woken up at, like, 2 in the morning, and they were told that they had to, like, go to a safer location or that they had to take a family portrait. There's, like, mixed <laughs> reports on this. Mm-hmm. So they, like, got dressed really quickly, and they, like, went across this courtyard, down some stairs, like, all, like, through this whole area, past all these rooms and into this one room that was poorly lit. And... At some point, they asked for two chairs for the kids to sit on. So this is either for the family portrait or just because they were hanging out in this room. I don't know. Um, I always heard the family portrait version. (laughs) Well, I guess they were, like, lined up like it was a family portrait. And like I said, two of the kids were sitting down. And then all of a sudden, this, like, group of men Mm -hmm. entered the room. And they read an announcement saying that, like, they all had to be killed immediately. 
Oh. And I guess everyone was, like, confused, and they were, like, asking him questions, like, wait, what are you talking about? What's going on? Um, we're here to get our picture taken. <laughs> and the guy just responded, this, or, like, this is what I'm talking about or something, and shot him in the chest. Oh, so, no. um, at first, like, the all the other gunmen were worried about killing the girls. So, the czar had mostly um, female children, like mm-hmm. five girls or something like that. So, even though they all were supposed to shoot different family members, basically everyone shot Nicholas the Tsar. Oh, no. And, like, there were so many bullets going off, and it was such a small room, and, like, they were hitting all over the place, including each other. Ugh. Um, so, Nicholas was killed, but when the smoke finally cleared, they realized that, like, most of the rest of the family was still alive, and a lot of them were, oh, what a were still uninjured. So, some of them tried to escape, but they couldn't get out, um, and... That's part of, I think, where the rumor came from that, like, Anastasia still survived and all of this stuff. But now they went around and they just quickly shot them all in the head. But oh, God. a few of them wouldn't die even from that. So they were, no. like, multiple close-range bullet wounds and bayonet stabs, and some of them were still oh. alive. And they were so, children. Yeah, and so they didn't oh. find out two of the girls when they were removing them from the room is when they realized they were, like, coughing and stuff, and that's when they realized that they were oh still alive. And so then they finally bludgeoned them to death. No. And part of the reason why they didn't die immediately is because the Romanov family had been, like, big diamond collectors, and when they, like, were taken in their prison or whatever, they had sewn a bunch of the diamonds into, like, their underwear and clothing. Oh, my God. And so the, so kids, like armor. the kids had put on, like, that <gasps> clothing, and it had, like, um, blocked a lot of the shots. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, and then, so part of, you know, the two girls still being alive when they took them out and all this other stuff, there were all these rumors going around that not everyone actually died, but later they decided that they had all died. I think there was, like, DNA proof eventually. Yeah, I remember learning about that. <laughs> like, years, years later, they confirmed it wasn't yeah. her. Even though she had, um, didn't the woman claiming to be Anastasia, like, she knew all of this really personal information that no one but the princess would have known. Like, she knew really really intimate details about their lives yeah i think also there were a lot of people who like claimed to be her but the biggest one was actually like someone from poland or something who ended up in america but and that was i think that's what you're talking about where they were like pretty convinced but eventually they did a dna yeah and it it wasn't her sample and it was not her Mm -hmm. we um had a family reunion a while back and it was like a really fa- like we dressed up it was like a fancy family reunion and we all went in to take like a group family photo and the phot- there was like a photographer there he was gonna do it and I remember we all lined up like the entire family and my uncle just turned at the last minute and looked at me and he goes isn't this what happened to the Romanovs <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like such good timing so like we were all lined up to get our picture taken it was like the entire extended family that is, now that's all I'm going to be able to think about when I'm taking a family reunion photo. That is great. So basically what you're saying is the Romanovs should have taken a group selfie. Is That's the moral of the story. Yeah. But it is, it's just so sad that they killed all the kids. And like part of me is like, yeah, that makes sense. You don't want any like heirs down the oh, road. Sure. But especially like if you're going to kill all those kids, just do it oh. quickly. Don't make them watch you, like, all shoot their dad, and then all shoot their mom, and then shoot them, and then bayonet them, and then That's bludgeon horrific. them. That's horrific. So I'm thinking, like, something was wrong with the weapons over there back in the day. Well, they didn't have pulse fists, or um, mag shields, or <laughs> razors, true. so yeah. They had to make do with what there was. 
I also read a little tiny bit about how a lot of people didn't support the empress either, whatever, the czarist, whatever you Zar- call Zarina? I made that up. I don't know. Yep. That sounds good, though. Yep, that, that, that thing. <laughs> um, but her and the czar, like, were a love marriage instead Aww. of, you know, how a lot of political marriages are yeah. arranged or made for political ties. So they were a love marriage, but her grandma, who I think was, like, the Queen of England, and his dad were both, like, against it. And she was the one who passed on, um, whatchamacallit, to his heir. Uh, Hemophilia. The, yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's a genetic disorder. That's right. <clears throat> well, I also researched a little bit of Russian words, because the, I like how the story is kind of peppered with these Russian words. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to see if there's any real meaning behind them. Okay. So <laughs> the first one I looked up was kefta, because that's the, the coats that the Grisha wear. And I like how the coats are like, they're a specific color to designate what type of Grisha you are. I really liked that. And so I looked up Grisha, or I looked up kefta, and <laughs> it's, it's just skewer of meat. It's like a like a Middle Eastern kebab. <laughs> well, that sounds delicious, but I'm confused. So that one did not pan out. <laughs> that one did not pan out. But then I looked up um, kavas, which is like the drink that they talk about drinking, and that one is actually an alcohol. Well, it's it's a Slavic and Baltic fermented beverage made from rye bread, and it's um, the drink is called black bread in Russia. And it's actually classified as non-alcoholic because it has, like, a really <laughs> low alcohol content. So that one worked out. And then I also looked up the Opportuniki because that was the Darkling's personal guard. And that was pretty cool because the Opportuniki were a real organization that was established by Tsar Ivan the Terrible. Ooh. And they were basically created to, um, to, like, suppress people who opposed the Tsar and they were like the czar's private army. And I thought it was interesting because we have the Darkling, and the Darkling's private army is called the Oprichniki. And the actual Russian Oprichniki, they all wore black clothing and rode black horses. And they wore an insignia of a severed dog's head and a broom on their shirts. <laughs> and that was, I know. And it was like to sniff out treason and enemies of the czar and to sweep them away. Oh, that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> But yeah, and they were called the Tsar Dogs because of their this insignia, and also because they were just like blindly loyal to the Tsar, and they would um, execute or like <clears throat> terrorize people who were known to be disloyal, and they used really bad methods like boiling people alive and impalement, and which we know all about. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which you already touched on. Thank you. And um, so yeah, they were like this terrible private army that just terrorized the population and like rooted out people who oppose the czar. That's crazy. So I wonder if they will come into play a little bit with um, the Darkling. Yeah, especially if he turns, I don't know, he's just like, it kind of reminds me of, who is it in the Young Elites that like the redheaded guy? Enzo. I like him more and I know him better than we did Enzo, but something about it just kind of reminds me of that where I'm like, there's got to be more to his background or more to his motivation than we know right now. Yeah, and he's also, like, this brooding, mysterious Yeah, figure. and there's, like, a romantic thing, but I don't really know if I buy the romantic aspect. I think I think that's ah, actually where I, I started doubting it, because, like, I didn't get why all of a sudden he was, like, so into her. 
Well, she's so special. Like, her power is... Um, I mean, it's kind of like he summons darkness and she summons light. So yeah, I can but I see like him kind of feeling a bond. To me, it should have either been an instant thing or it should have grown more. I feel like it was like an instant thing, but way late. Like, it didn't, like, grow <laughs> from something and it didn't, like, start initially. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's also, like, she goes from this... And I didn't really like this too much, but she goes from being this kind of, she was very tired and, you know, very thin and didn't have much of an appetite. And then she goes into being this like very vivacious, healthy woman. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of weird that like, I don't know. I didn't really like that it was only after, what's her name, Jenya, like used her power, her Grisha power to like make her pretty that he started showing, like, more of an interest. I didn't really like that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I mean, too. Like, if it was, like, the light, if it was her ability that attracted him, then I feel like after he saw it for the first time, there should have been something. Or it should have, like, grown from, like, they start confiding in each other more because they're only two who get it, and then it, like, kind of develops into this thing. Yeah, but then it's, like, they're just all of a sudden kissing each other. Yeah, it's, like, they ignore each other, and then all of a sudden, like, they're, like, in a... Full-on makeout mode. yeah. It made me realize how much I missed um, the romance element in uh, Red Rising. Because there really isn't any romance in Red Rising. And normally I'm not the type of person who like really, really needs romance in a YA book. But I I found that I missed it. And I was glad to see it again. <laughs> when you think about... I forget what I was reading the other day. But like with, for how much happened in Red Rising, we felt like we like lived years in that book. <laughs> And, like, you felt like you yeah. needed at least a little bit of romance just to, like, because life can't be that hard Even all the out time. Of yeah. <laughs> Give us a break. What do you think of Jenya? Because she, she is one of my characters that I like to read about the most, mm-hmm. but um, I think there's, there's definitely something more with her character, too. There is. And I, again, I feel like she knows something about the Darkling, and the Darkling's, like, putting her in that position by the king and queen for some reason. Because let me say he, like, traded her or like I don't I just yeah like I she's she seems to me like a pawn in his game still or something but maybe a knowledgeable pawn maybe a willing pawn I don't know maybe I and I don't it's it's interesting to see like she's not really like any of the other Grisha she's Grisha but she is a tailor and it seems like she is viewed almost like a slave well she is a slave Yeah, but I'm wondering, like, does that have to do with her power? Like, are all tailors... Like, tailors do not appear in the hierarchy of Grisha. And so I'm just like, what is your power? And and who are you? And why are you in this position? And then her relationship with the king. And yeah, there's like a lot of background for her that I'm still kind of interested to get. Yeah, that seems kind of ugly. I don't... The other person I'm kind of curious to see if and when she comes back is... What was the redheaded girl's name? The mm-hmm. one who threw her into the wall when they were fighting. The black-haired girl. Or black-haired. Zoya. Zoya, yeah. I'm kind of curious to see if and when she makes an appearance again because I didn't feel like that was fully resolved. Yeah, and I like how she's... I mean, I don't really like that it's there's like some pettiness happening between the Grisha. You know, like, they're supposed I to be... I kind of do, I think, because they're like living at court away from the battle. They don't even know... Like, they're like put on this pedestal, but they're not even... Like, I think it's going to... Eventually, if they ever leave the castle and, like, go to the front or something and these same characters are there, they're going to, like, have a huge shift or growing up to do. Yeah, because right now it's, like, 
Zoya, I think, is jealous because she was always considered the Darkwing's pet, where she uh, had a very strong gift, and now Alina's here, and I think there's also, like, a class thing where she doesn't like that Alina is from a lower class, and, I mean, she's just downright terrible to her. Yeah. Although, I also want to know more about the small science and the amplifiers and stuff, because she has an amplifier, and Ivan has an amplifier, and the dark lane is, is an, an amplifier, amplifier, and her other teacher is an amplifier. Oh, and we still don't know what her power is either, right? Oh, Bagra, yeah. I don't remember. I feel like we didn't know yet, but it sounds like she taught, or not taught the dark lane, but she, they have like a weird, there's something weird there, She right? taught him. Oh, okay, she taught him. Yeah, yeah, she says that she was her teacher, she was his teacher. Okay. Um, yeah, I, the, okay, the amplifiers. This is really cool, and I love... Also, that there's, like, constraints put on the Grisha power where it's, like, you can have an amplifier, but you can only have one, and it's, like, a check on your power. Yeah. And I love that, um, who was it? Who was, oh, the Morozova guy, like, the Morozova's stag, when he was saying, what is infinite, the universe, and the greed of men. So, I just kind of thought that was another cool restraint to put on their power, where, like, you can have an amplifier, but... It control it claims you and you claim the amplifier. It reminded me and there can only be one. of the wands in like Harry Potter. Oh, like the wand chooses the wizard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah, and it seems like they have found this herd of deer, and I don't know. They're trying to get one for Alina so she can be more powerful and break the shadow fold. But she has to kill it, right? Is she even capable of that? Oh, yes, they do say something like that. I mean, sure. And also, I thought earlier, like, when she first found out about amplifiers, when she heard about the bear teeth or whatever, mm-hmm. I thought there was, like, talk about if someone wanted to take it from him. But it sounds like later they're, like, amplifier, like you said, can only be used by one person. And Yeah, I think they can only belong. And, like, once you have it, it won't work for any other Grisha. Yeah. Kind of like the wands. I don't know. I still have a lot of questions. And I'm also curious to see more of the world, especially if you look at the map. Like, if the whole thing takes place in this palace, then the map is kind of silly. So I'm curious to I'm see sure it when, yeah. you know, when we go and maybe she'll leave first to go get the stag. But if all these other people are trying to kill her, she really, besides that one scare, once she made it to the castle, she's been safe as far as we know. Although there seems like some scheming going on that we're not sure about. But no one's, like, made assassination attempts or anything. Right, but I'm wondering if that's going to change because... Um, now that they had that big public demonstration showing her powers, it seems like people are very obsessed with her. Yeah, and I don't know why they did that. That seemed like a really stupid thing to do, in my opinion. I think it was to give people hope that, like, the Shadowfold could be destroyed and they have someone who can who can do that. But again, to, like, the nobles... Who... Well, aren't they going to be funding? Like, funding her... I guess, maybe funding. Okay, that's fair. I just felt like, I don't know, I'm curious... You know, he keeps, um, the guy whose name I can't remember, or title I can't remember. The religious the old one? guy. Oh, the Afra. Rasputin. Yeah. Just say Rasputin, though. I don't The understand. Rasputin guy, you know, has been kind of, even though he's being really creepy, I feel like he's saying some really inspiring things about, like, her being a symbol of hope, and her being, like, this kind like of saint. saint, um, and all that stuff. So I kind of, again, that's where I sort of feel like he might actually be the good guy, but I he also just makes me squirm every time he's in a yeah. scene. So I don't know. Maybe he's just, maybe he's trying to help her, but he's just being really creepy about it. 
And maybe we'll find out later that like it's secretly her dad or something like. And oh that's god! Why, I don't know. I'm oh no! <laughs> but you know, like just some weird like reveal where we're like, that's why he's been following her so closely. I had a strong reaction to that. <laughs> I don't really think it's her dad, especially if it sounds like originally they wrote it as if they had parents. But um, I don't know. There's like no one else in their life except for Mal and Alina. Who? Oh, Mal and Alina. Well, I feel like she's really finding a home with the Grisha. And I feel like, I don't know if she could go back to just being her, you know, Alina without power. Especially yeah. since it seems like the Grisha power kind of, um, like not using it makes you sick. And using it makes you healthy. Because we see she well, really transforms after she starts using her power. Using it makes you good. But I didn't feel like it was just because she wasn't using it. I feel like it was because she was like in denial about it or like put like spending all this energy holding it back. So I feel like she could like have it not be held back and also not be pushing it out. Maybe. I also like kind of didn't buy the whole plot point where the reason she couldn't call forth her power was because she was still so tied to Mal and that life and she like didn't want to let him go and the whole reason she didn't show her powers when she was being tested as a kid was because she knew they would take her away from Mal and then like letting go of him like released her power I just that was kind of yeah far-fetched for me and I did I kind of bought in a piece of it but it did feel like it felt like all of a sudden they were like oh and now she can use her power I feel like it should have been a more gradual thing yeah it was like a little too convenient I almost wish it you know when she didn't hear from him then she started to be able to kind of do it and like maybe then eventually like had this flashback yeah and then he comes in and sees her you know looking like she has found a new home and yeah like doesn't need him anymore and he's been trying to figure out what happened to her and there's all these rumors that she's being tortured and he you know I mean from his perspective. And not only is she pretty taken care of Agrisha, but she's also identified as the Darkling, who she was terrified of at the beginning of the book. Yeah, and now it's like she's wearing his colors. He, she's wearing symbol. his symbol. It's, yeah. it's very um, like he's claimed her almost. Okay, do you have any predictions for the second half of the book? <laughs> I think they're going to find this Morozova stag. And I kind of want to research what that is. Like if that's a real thing. If it's, like, folklore. Yeah. Because I feel like it had to come from somewhere. Um, what What about you? I mean, my big prediction is what I said about the misdirect. I think that... Oh, yeah. And maybe it'll be, like, right near the end, and I have no idea what's going to happen until then. But I sort of think that the Darkling is actually not the person we want her to be aligned with. And that... I'm not really sure who she should be aligned with, but I'm starting to think maybe it's the creepy guy. Mmm. Okay. Um, oh, you sent me something funny. You sent me a, a quiz to take to find out what Grisha I was. Oh, yeah. Did you do it too? I did. Except the link I sent you, like, it did something weird. So it was actually on, like, a slightly different website. So it told me I was a Corporal Nick. Corporal Nick? Ooh. Oh, which one are you? But it doesn't tell me which one. Oh, so no. So then I was confused. So then I tried to retake it based on the link I sent you, but it keep, kept redirecting me to this other site. Oh, well, I got, I got a corporal name too, and I am a heart render. Love it. <laughs> and, I know. And Does it say more about it? Like, does it give you a description or anything? No, it didn't. It just said, congratulations, you're a heart render. And I was kind of bummed because I wanted to be a healer because I feel like that's a lot more useful, you know? Mine, 
This says brave, belligerent, and cocky. Belligerent. Kokoralki undergo the most rigorous training of all the Grisha. Heart renders are always ready for a fight. Healers use their powers to repair injury and treat sickness. Which are you? I was like, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Maybe that's like where we thought you can choose. Can I just choose to be a healer instead? Because I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not always ready for a fight. I'm never ready for a fight. I'm a pacifist. <laughs> and I don't think it's exciting to be able to like slow down or speed up your heart rate. Like, what am I going to do with that? I could actually and, heal people. Yeah, it actually sounds like a really gruesome way to like kill someone and like completely unfair. Like, I think I'm kind of okay with like being a warrior and like yeah. having excellent swordmanship and like defeating your enemy. But to like look at someone and make their heart explode just feels kind of... It's cheap. There's no skill in that. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a lot of skill in it, but I don't really know how it works. It just doesn't seem very fair. It doesn't seem like a fair way to um, face someone off. Yeah. Uh, I could use it to um, make my heart rate go up, like do interval training without exercising. That's what I've been using for. (laughs) Like do hit interval (laughs) workouts on my couch. (laughs) That is the best answer I've heard. Ever. Uh, I... I, I really like this book. I really can't stop thinking about it. I'm really enjoying it, too. And I want us to get off the phone so I can finish reading I know. Today. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, probably as soon as we stop recording, I'll think of something I'm trying to look through my notes again. <clears throat> I like that Jenya is attracted to the materialki, David, who's, like, super quiet and shy. And she... Yeah. I, I kind of like that. And I'm kind of actually curious to get to know him better, too. He'd yeah. be kind of an interesting ally. Yeah. And to learn more about the materialki. And I do want to learn more about Jenya. I really... I, I like how she's, like, very human. But she's, like, so vain mm-hmm. and silly. But I don't know. But there's, like, this sadness to her and this maybe dark, dark history. And wisdom, too. Yeah. Because she's yeah. the one who was, like, you should be careful around the Darkling. Like, you need to guard your heart against powerful men. Although, I'm also kind of curious if the Darkling, like, has lots of people, or if she really is really special to him. Mm, I just want more Darkling in general. <laughs> more Darkling, all the time. I, oh, you know what? I also like how the Darkling is, like, a role. It's not necessarily a person. It's like you fill that position, kind of like a king. So he had, like, multiple Darklings before him. Yeah. Except I was also kind of confused about that, like, if it was actually his great-great-grandfather, or if it was, like... Like, how do you get to that position? Or is it just blood and then does he need an heir? Yeah. You know, how does that work? Like, will there be another Darkling who's born to take his place? Does he have to... Yeah, I I, I don't know. Or do you, like, you know, take someone under your wing and... I I think you have to be born with that gift. I am kind of curious about how that goes as well. Yeah, so there's really really great world building here. Um, Really cool characters. A lot of Russian folklore, I think, that's coming into play. Um... Yeah, I'm really excited to finish it. Sounds good. You owe me a joke this week. Oh, I do. Okay, so I have I have two jokes, actually, because it was um, my birthday recently, and yes. thank you for the birthday, birthday card. <laughs> um, and for my birthday, um, a lot of my friends sent me jokes, sent me dad jokes, because they know how much I love them, so I told them, my friends, that I would... Uh, share some of these jokes the best one was from my cousin's fiance because I text him really bad jokes all the time and he never (laughs) responds or he'll respond with like an emoji that's like making a terrible face because he secretly likes them but like to like to pretend that he doesn't won't admit it yeah exactly we're on to you (laughs) so but this time forever they actually sent me a joke and I was like that's super sweet he finally 
gave into it. So, and it was also yeah. because it was my 32nd birthday. Um, and so his joke is, my wife is turning 32 soon. I told her not to get her hopes up. After all, the celebrations are only going to last half a minute. What are you talking about? She said. I said, it's your 32nd birthday. <laughs> it took me a minute too. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, 32? Why would that be half a minute? <laughs> and then my other friend just... Oh, that can work for every something ending in two birthday. That is awesome. Yeah. You can do all the math you want. My sister t- turns 22 next year, so I'll have to remember that. <laughs> yeah. And then um, the other one was sent me, someone sent me a funny text and it just said, the worst thing about being a birthday cake is getting set on fire and then being eaten by the person who saved you. <laughs> those were my two birthday jokes okay anything else any last comments no um thank you everyone to who is thank you everyone for writing reviews for us on itunes someone recently wrote a really nice review and we really appreciate it um and thank you also for following us on instagram and Facebook. We're learning how to hashtag. Teach we, us more. Slowly. We're fine. <laughs> I actually like how did Google how to hashtags work and then I felt really stupid. <laughs> but now I know. So I'm adding hashtags to some of our posts. So thank you for following us. If you want to send us an email, please go to mnktalkya at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Sounds good. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.